You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, it's been a little bit, but Shane and I are back with you guys on a new episode of the EPA podcast brought to you guys by Bleeding Green Nation. Appreciate you guys for tuning in to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to BGN Radio on all pod platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you can find your shows. Be sure to subscribe to them. I'm your host today, Victor Williams. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms over at the Philly Pod. Do the same with the other host of this show. You can find him on Twitter and I don't know anywhere else, but definitely Twitter at Shane Half NFL. The nice new clean NFL uh, NFL handle is much easier to find, I'm sure. And now he looks, I'm not going to say he didn't, look professional before but it's definitely a cleaner handle shane how's the new handle treating you these days right? yeah yeah for sure uh like i said writing that blue check mark out as long as i could but as soon as it was gone uh, i knew here. i was changing the name so um yeah big difference in creating your twitter account as a fan eight years ago or however long ago it was and then making right. the transition into media so uh there's still i was searching through some of my old tweets a while back just <laughs> digging back as far as i could uh, to see like what was I originally tweeting when I joined Twitter and it's kind of embarrassing how much I like was a fanboy for like Kist and Solak and the BGN radio shows and stuff way back in the day always in the comment sections and stuff not that not that I think it's embarrassing for people to be commenting uh, we certainly appreciate the interactions there but just some of the things I was saying as a fan uh, make me cringe now as an analyst but it, it's okay it's okay <laughs> Revisionist, revisionist sister. It's funny you bring that up because Kist and Solak were sort of like the bar set here at Bleeding Green Nation. Then they then they did their own projects. And I still listen to Solak every week on the Ringers Philly special he does with Shio Kapadia and those guys. And it's all still great info. And when I had first started this, I started doing this stuff 2019 around the double doink. And then you and I connected through through another outlet and, and got to know each other through there which is why this podcast works, obviously. But um, it's funny to, to see all the BGN stuff. And I was excited when I even had like a tweet featured in an article. And now we're sitting here and, and doing a show on the feed, which is still surreal to believe um, at times. But I definitely get the, uh, the cringeworthiness because there's some people I talk to now these days who I was like fanboying over, like analysts and stuff. And then you get to talk to them and then you're like, wow, that was kind of uh, embarrassing. But, <laughs> but here we are. Here we are those days. Like we said before, appreciate you guys for tuning into this episode this week. We are here to treat you guys to a uh, an off-season treat. As we all know, uh, OTAs and all that kind of stuff are getting underway, and we're going to get into the lull period of the NFL off-season. So now this is where the busy work begins, and it's time to get creative. And this week, we are going to rank the NFC East positional groups for all four teams in a division from offense and defense. And Shane, I'll let you kind of uh, – I guess I'll let you lead it. I, obviously, I'm – I'm I'm pretty sure we we know where we're gonna start here, but Yoli can go ahead and lead the first position group, which I assume is going to be quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, before we jump into that, though, one more embarrassing story because why not confess oh, things man, live yeah. on the air? On a soapbox now, might as well. Yeah, uh, 
I I also loved I also loved uh, Kissed and Mark Schofield's QB Factory. Well, they mm. rebranded it QB Sco Show QB Factory, but I I was a history teacher, and so I nerded out over the history references at the start of the show. Loved listening to them, and I was always like sending them history references in their DMs and stuff. And every time I would get a shout out on the show with one of my questions, or they would use one of my history references. I would screen record like the audio <laughs> off of my phone and save them in a folder. Uh, so when I, when I, the BGN was talking about bringing me onto this, I had a zoom meeting with kissed and I was just like, mm -hmm. okay, don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't, don't be a fanboy. but it was pretty hard to draw that line to be honest. So Kissed, if you're listening, you can let me know if I succeeded. Uh, I'm fairly sure I didn't, but <laughs> you know, you know what's funny about that? When when I had my Zoom call with, with Kissed, he was like, we had to go, <laughs> we had to go into. I guess they do this with everybody, but they said we had to go into your tweets and make sure you weren't dragging BLG or like slandering anybody on PGN. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think so. Not that I could find. Right? I just thought that was funny when he had went to uh to uh talk to me about coming on here. But yes, big ups to uh to to Kiss for bringing myself and and Shane as well as I'm sure many others. Who, who get to be on this feed on a weekly basis. So, all right. Well, let's dive story in. Time's our, story time's yeah, over. Story time's <laughs> over. Uh, you guys let us know if you want some more stories. We're five minutes into the podcast, and now we'll start talking about football. But that's what you get in the offseason. Uh, so here we go. We're going to, like Victor said, we're going to walk through each position group in the NFC East and sort of rank them against each other. And so uh, I have depth charts pulled up. They're not going to be shared on the screen. Uh, if you guys are watching on YouTube, you're going to see our tier list. Uh, Victor and I will probably tweet it out once the episode goes live, too. If you're just listening to the audio platform, you can go check it when you're done. But we'll just walk through offense first and then go defense. So let's talk quarterback. Uh, obviously, the Eagles have Jalen Hurts. Dallas has Dak Prescott. The Giants have Daniel Jones, the $40 million man. And then the Commanders have some combination of Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett whoever they end up starting. So mm -hmm. I feel like this one's a pretty easy tier uh, to be honest uh, Jalen hurts has to be number one for me. Uh, I'm assuming you're not going to have any issues with that assessment. No, no arguments for me. Are we also factoring in uh backup quarterbacks into this as well? Like depth or just, just the starters. Cause I'll take um, Mariota over Daniel. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm mostly, as I think about it, I'm mostly thinking in terms of starters, but I mean, I think depth plays in a little bit, especially you get into like, you know, wide receiver four matters a little bit. You know, your sixth and seventh <laughs> offensive linemen, those matter some. I'm not as concerned about backup quarterback, though. But uh, so Dak Eagles Prescott. Still lead in both scenarios. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> Dak Prescott, is he QB, QB2 in the division, I would assume? Uh, yes, I believe so, yes. Yeah, and so then Daniel Jones versus Sam Howell slash Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I personally, I would go Daniel Jones here mm -hmm. uh, as QB3 and leave Sam Howell, who – Maybe he's something. I don't really think so, but he hasn't had a lot of time to be proven. I could see me flipping three and four later on this season, potentially, but I think one and two are pretty well clear cut. Yeah, I think this is a accurate rankings. Now, I'm higher on Sam Howell than, than most because uh, well, I know we only have like 60 minutes of tape of him against the Cowboys <laughs> that we can go off of. But I liked him in college, even at, even as a prospect. And I'm surprised it took Washington as long as it did to get Carson Wentz out of there and, and, and especially get Heineke out of there and see what they had in Sam Howell. So I have high hopes for the kid. But uh, this is appropriate rankings for, for quarterback as of now. Daniel Jones is coming off a uh, adequate year, I'll call it. He's coming off an adequate season. Not a bad season by any means. 
Um, they have, well, well, we'll get into the groups later on. He has some players around him. So even if they plateau, the Giants should be okay. So Daniel Jones, I think, is, is a good spot at three. Okay, so let's pretty well in agreement there. Let's move on to running back where this I think is it's maybe not as clear cut. Yep, yeah, it's so going to be polarizing. <laughs> the Eagles have the trio of DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, Kenny Gainwell, uh, Boston Scott, although we're not going to go four deep for everybody here. The the Cowboys have Tony Pollard. They drafted Deuce Vaughn. They've got Malik Davis on their bench as well. The Giants have Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida. And then the Commanders have Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson. So, uh, Victor, what do you think? Who, who has the best running back room in the division? I am going to say the Giants will be, okay. will be, will be my pick. Saquon is the best back in the division. Um, they also have, like you said, Breda and Eric Gray, who's still unproven, but he's he's a decent guy they got in the fifth round. I think as long as Barkley stays healthy, then they have the best group in the division because Barkley is just a, a monster uh, on his own right. He can take over a game. He he can have an offense uh, uh, run through him. So I will say the Giants, just because their lead back is, I think, head and shoulders above the rest of the division. Yeah, I could see... Honestly, I could see this group. This I could see it going about anyway. I don't have any problem with that ranking. Like you said, Saquon at full health. Saquon is the best back in the division, in my opinion. So right, right. Uh, maybe their depth isn't as good as some other teams, but yeah. they've got the true feature back. So I'll go with you on that. Number two is interesting. You've got really talented running backs in Philadelphia, obviously with a lot of injury concerns. Um, you've got Tony Pollard, who... To be honest, I think he's one of the more overrated backs in the league. Um, mm, now, wow. I think he, I think he should have had more playing time, um, and I think he's better than Zeke at, at this point in his career. But I think that he's given a lot of credit for just being better than what Zeke was last year <laughs> in low usage. And so, I, I'm, I'm excited to see Tony Pollard as a feature back this year. But I'm not sold that he's like an elite tier running back. And Honestly, I really like the commanders duo of Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson. So uh, you could talk me about any direction here, but who do you think is the number two running back group in the division? Man, I I am going to say I say I say, I say this only because we don't know what Deuce Vaughn is going to give Dallas. I'm going to I'm going to put Washington second because Brian Robinson, who's I think he I think he's young and will be will be very good. And Antonio Gibson is a good pass catching back behind them. I think they I think the two of them are better than Tony Pollard and uh and um and whatever Deuce Vaughn is going to give you. I like Tony Pollard personally. I like him as a player. I like what he provides on offense. But like you mentioned, like if the barometer is like, oh, he's better than Ezekiel Elliott, how good really is he in the league? He's not close to where Saquon is. Um, um that's for sure. And I think Brian Robinson especially and Antonio Gibson are in the same relative tier as Tony Pollard, or at least can get there. They have the potential to be. So I think the duo of those two are better than Dallas. So I'm going to put Washington second. here. I really okay, like so their backs. I really like Brian Robinson. I have, uh, obviously I have Eagles four, which is going, going to draw a lot of ire, but yeah. Okay. So you have the Eagles. See, I, w- I would probably put the Eagles three here ahead of the Cowboys. Oh um, man. I think, if you're just comparing Tony Pollard to Rashad Penny yeah, and you're factoring in the injuries, then maybe you give it to Pollard. But when you look at the whole room with DeAndre Swift as well, 
versus the Cowboys not really having much alongside of Tony Pollard. I personally would put the Eagles three here mm-hmm. uh, and the Cowboys four, which is kind of shocking given how long the Cowboys have had such a good running game. And obviously Mike McCarthy is, you know, we're going to run the ball this year, which we'll see. Uh, but I personally would put the Eagles three here and the Cowboys four. Yeah, you could talk. You could certainly talk me into that. It's hard for me to put Pollard four because of just like we've seen what he's done and he's proven. And Swift and Penny, as as good as they could be, Penny can arguably be the most productive back in the division if if he's healthy. And DeAndre Swift, it's just that they're both the bigger injury risks. They're they're the biggest risks actually in the division. And and that and that injury history is extensive. Um, if you factor in Kenneth Gainwell. I think you can put the Eagles three. I think like you factor in Gainwell, like worst comes to worst, they both get they both get hurt. You have Gainwell and Scott running the show. I think I think you'll still be okay. So I can definitely put like if you factor in Gainwell, I think the Eagles at three makes sense. All right, so we will lock the Eagles in at three. The Cowboys at Dallas four. at four is a tough look. Backs. That is a tough it is. Look. I mean, it's a good it's a good division in terms of running backs. So Ooh, Dallas. Um, Get ready. Let's flip over to receiver here now. Uh, So I'll list receivers four deep and we'll go from there. So the Eagles have AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Alameda Zacchaeus and Devon, or excuse me, and Quez Watkins. Mm -hmm. The Cowboys have CD lamb, Brandon cooks, Michael Gallup, Jalen Tolbert. The giants have Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, Wandell Robinson, Sterling Shepard. I'm not sure what order they're going to have those guys in. But, uh, and then the commanders have Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, and Deami Brown. So I feel pretty confident that the Eagles are number one in the receiver rankings. Off the, you know, off the strength of their top two guys, obviously the depth's a little concerning, but I've got the Eagles as the easy number one here. Yeah, you're not going to get an argument from them. They arguably have two top 10 receivers, um, one of the top duos in the league. You can argue Chase, Higgins. You can argue whatever you want to do. Uh, but the Eagles certainly have one of the top duos if, in the league, let alone the division. So, yeah, no argument for me on that one. Okay, so at number two, I have the Commanders. I really like Terry McLaurin. Jahan Dotson, I think, was a slam. He had a great rookie year. Curtis Samuel is your third. Uh, I, I like the Commanders as the second best receiving room in the division. What do you say? Yeah, I, I'm a big I'm a big Terry fan. I like McLaurin. I like his game. Um, the rest I know. Curtis Samuel is nothing to scoff at. Jimmy Brown's nothing to scoff at either. Uh, Jahan Dotson is very good. Obviously, we're we're, we're Penn State fans. Well, I am anyway. <laughs> but um, oh man, um, man, if if it wasn't for Brandon Cooks, I would have. Uh, I I have to I have to put Dallas second. Just just CD okay. CD Lamb. CD Lamb is a top three receiver in the division. Brandon Cook. If it wasn't for Brandon Cooks, I would agree with you. I feel like Cooks. I know he's been on a million different teams, but he's had countless thousand yard seasons. I think he's very good as long as he stays away from the uh, concussions. Gallup. If you take the trios, I think Gallup, CD Lamb, and Brandon Cooks are better than Terry Samuel and Jahan Dotson. Okay. If you have to compare the trios, that's where I'm at. Yeah, it's, and especially if you could erase 2022 from the books, mm-hmm. that's easy. Michael Gallup coming off the injury in late 2021, yeah, he tough. was down in 2022, but I have no problem with projecting a little bit of a bounce back there. I always liked Gallup as a player. So we can slide the Cowboys in there at two, Washington at three, and that leaves us with what the did, Giants. What did, what did Curtis Samuel do last year? Was he, was he serviceable? 
Cause like he's like the I like the th- the wide receiver three is what does it for me. <laughs> like even though I guess it's Dots no Jahan Dotson's gotta be two at this point. Samuel had six hundred fifty-six yards and four touchdowns last year. All right, that's that's good enough. Yeah. I just like if you if if they were to if, yeah, on paper I like I like the Cowboys trio a little better. All right. So we have Eagles one, Cowboys two, Washington three, Giants four at receiver. But yeah. Michael Gallup was 424 and four touchdowns last year, which big that was a big down year for him. How uh, many games though? He came back from injury at some point. He missed like half the year, didn't he? Yeah, I I don't remember how, at what point. He like around Thanksgiving ish, like around there. And the Giants, they have the best WR3 group of any team in the league right now because all their receivers are WR3s. I do enjoy um, Jalen Hyatt's tape. So I, I, I was. Um, we're not happy, but I, it didn't shock me when they took that pick. Paris Campbell is speedy. They have a lot of small receivers is the Giants' problem. Isaiah mm-hmm. Hodgins is like their one like semi-big target. So I don't know what Dayball is planning on offense. Are they just going to run track meets or whatever the situation is? But, uh, yeah, they do have some more talent. They, they, they just need to figure out how they're going to deploy all these guys. <laughs> yeah, how are you going to use five slot receivers? Yeah, don't I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's look at tight end groupings. Uh, the Eagles, obviously, they've got Dallas Goddard. Uh, the Cowboys have Jake Ferguson. They spent a second-round pick on Luke Schoonmaker. Uh, the Giants have Darren Waller and Daniel Bellinger. And the Commanders have Logan Thomas and John Bates. This is another one where it's an easy, easy Eagles number one for me. Dallas Goddard, uh, regardless of what's behind him, I think he's a top-five tight end in the league, so... Goddard is easy to put in as number one for me. Yeah, um, they got uh they got Dan Arnold in the building now, so maybe you got <laughs> you got you got uh, uh something there. I I do I dare say that Dallas Goddard is the second best receiving tight end in the league behind Kelsey. Is that outlandish to say? Um, strictly receiving, strictly receiving, not everything that Kelsey brings blocking and all that. But Dallas Goddard, I think, like maybe think Mark Andrews, maybe you can Kittle. talk to him. Kittle, I think I think Andrews and Kittle are both better pure receivers, but oh. when when you add in the blocking element, which is important if you're going to try to run twelve personnel and things, uh, <laughs> Goddard is so versatile and he's so good after the catch. Like if you just want to flex a guy out in the slot and have him run wow. routes, I'd probably take those other guys, but I would take Goddard as the whole package. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle Pitts is probably up there too. So, but, but yeah, he's like a receiver in a tight end's body or whatever you want to consider it but yeah dallas goddard is the best uh tight end in the division therefore i think the equals uh at one is appropriate okay so what about number two uh the giants made the move for darren waller they had daniel <sighs> bellinger who's second year player now uh the commanders have logan thomas uh the cowboys jake ferguson luke schoonmaker that's not a group that i like that I, the order here, the order for two and three probably doesn't matter for me, but I think the Cowboys are pretty clearly number four. Yeah, they would have been too if they found a way to keep Dalton Schultz, but they decided to tag Tony Pollard instead. So that's an interesting decision. So yeah, Dallas could be at four. You can talk me into the Giants at two. You see what Darren Waller has left in the tank. Um, I know he's he, he has a thousand yard potential. We'll see if he can stay healthy. So I'll bank on Darren Waller having some sort of a resurgence with the Giants, and I'll put them in two. Washington is whatever. They're the same every year. So, <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the offensive line. And we'll consider a little bit depth here, but mainly we're going to look at starters. Yeah. Uh, so the Eagles starting offensive line, Jordan Mailata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, 
Cam Jurgens slash Tyler Steen slash Jack Driscoll, whoever emerges, and then Lane Johnson. Uh, the Cowboys have Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Tyler uh, Biotish, Zach Martin, and Terrence Steele. The Giants have Andrew Thomas, Ben Bredson, John Michael Schmitz, a guy that I loved in the draft, uh, Mark Glowinski, and Evan Neal. And then the Commanders have Charles Leno Jr., Andrew Norwell, Nick Gates, Sam Cosme, and they signed Andrew Wiley away from the Chiefs. So this is another one where I feel like it's pretty clear that the Eagles are number one in the offensive line rankings. I've I tried really hard to not look at this through a homer lens, and it's just hard in a lot of these not to put the Eagles first. So uh, Eagles are the easy number one here. Um, I think my number two offensive line would probably be the Cowboys. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> if we're assuming if we're assuming health, I mean, obviously Tyron Smith has been banged up a lot. Zach Martin has been banged up a lot, but that's a really good offensive line. And then you look at Washington and the Giants, and you know the Giants' offensive line used to be a laughing stock, but they've spent a top uh, top ten pick each of the last two years on offensive tackles. Actually, I think Andrew Thomas was a couple years ago, but whatever. He's turned into a really good player. Evan Neal struggled last year, but I still really believe in him as a player. I love John Michael Schmitz. I thought he was a great value. So I've got the Giants as the third offensive line, and the Commanders bringing up the rear as number four. How do you feel about those rankings? Yeah, that's appropriate. Uh, the Giants and Washington, you could flip them three and four. It doesn't, doesn't matter to me. Now, uh, you, met, you mentioned the homer lens. Even if, like, I don't consider the Dallas offensive line to be bad in any way, shape, or form. They have two potential Hall of Famers in Tyron Smith and Zach Martin. And Tyler Smith had a very good rookie year. Um, it's just that the Eagles are in a league of their own when it comes to the trenches, and it's no shock to, to anybody. They lose Siamalu, but you assume either Jurgens or Tyler Steen, whatever – the camp battle is going to, you know, however that's going to shake out. You have Jurgens, who's, uh, we saw him have some dominant plays in preseason last year at center. You hope that he can project and do the same at guard. But then you still have Lane Johnson, Malata, Kelsey Dickerson, uh, pro bowlers across the line. It's not particularly close <laughs> when you look at the two. And that's not saying Dallas has a bad offensive line. It's just the Eagles are untouchable in that department. And the Giants and da- or the Washington and um, the Giants, they, they, they don't come close to Dallas, let alone the Eagles. So, <laughs> All right. So to recap the offense here, uh, the Eagles are take away the number one ranking in every offensive position except running back where they came in third. Uh, the Cowboys are number two in quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line, and number four in running back and tight ends. So they just flip-flop second to fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Giants are number one on running back, number two on tight end, number three on QB and O-line, and number four on receiver. And then Washington does not have a number one ranking. They're number two at running back, number three at wide receiver and tight end, and number four at quarterback and offensive line. So yeah. that'll wrap up the offensive side of the ball here. We're going to throw it to a quick break, and then we will be back to break down and power rank every position group on the defense. Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back here on the EPA podcast, breaking down every position group in the NFC East. We've made it through the offense. We're going to transition to the defensive side of the ball here. And this is where it gets a little tricky. Um, Not all linebackers are created the same. Not all defensive ends are created the same. So I sort of went with the edge rusher versus interior defensive line. And uh, maybe we should have just combined defensive line all into one, but that discounts guys like Micah Parsons and Hassan Reddick who rush from a linebacker position. So we'll try to, we'll try to clarify how we're ranking these guys as we go, but we'll start with edge rusher here. And so for the Eagles, uh, that is Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, uh, Nicobe or not Nicobe Dean, Hassan Reddick, Nolan Smith. Those guys are all going to be considered edge rushers here for the Eagles. Uh, for the Cowboys, it's Demarcus Lawrence. We're going to put Micah Parsons as an edge rusher. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong, Sam Williams, Tack McKinley, Dante Fowler Jr. Uh, that's that's what we're looking at for the Cowboys. For the Giants, it's Ashawn Robinson, um, Leonard Williams, which he's you could cons- almost consider Leonard Williams a defensive tackle, but uh, Kevon Thibodeau, uh, those are kind of the guys that we're looking at. Aziz Ojolari. And then for the Commanders, it's Chase Young, Montez Sweat, uh, James Smith-Williams. I don't think they really rushed Jamin Davis very much. <laughs> Not a whole lot. Uh, I thought that – didn't they have – I thought they had another edge rusher. I feel like there's somebody missing here. You said Montez, uh, Chase Young. Yeah, I mean, there? those are the big two, but – Yeah. Okay. They used to be deeper than that. So, anyways, um, <laughs> you look at this one, and again – the easy edge, in my opinion, goes to the team that just had 70 sacks last season and didn't really lose any of their edge rushers. In fact, they added a first-round talent in Nolan Smith. Uh, they're going to get Derek Barnett, a former first-round pick, who has not lived up to that hype, but still a former first-round pick. They get him back off of injury. I think the Eagles are you know, clear, clear and easy, the number one edge rushing group here. Yeah, this is uh, – now, these defensive groups are going to be a lot closer than uh, the offensive one, and I think I think – I think the Eagles are still number one. I don't think the gap is as as I don't think the gap the gap is as wide per se because man, you got you got Micah, and then like Sweat and uh, Sweat and Chase Young are no slouches either. Even though Chase Young is coming off injury too as well, I think was, yeah. well, he was hurt for a lot of the year. He's last year. been hurt a lot. That 
he came out, you know, billed as the generational pass rusher yeah. and they, yeah. you know, they famously took him over taking a quarterback and who was, who was the quarterback that year? I can't even remember now. And uh, I forget even the year he was taken at this point. Uh, I remember. Was, and I remember. Oh, it was, it was 2022. So that would have been uh, the chase uh, Ch- or not Ch- uh, Justin Herbert to a, that mm. was their draft. Joe Burrow went Joe one. Burrow draft. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, yeah, that's right. Cause they're all getting um, number two. Because they didn't pick up uh, Chase Young's option, and all these quarterbacks are getting deals, so that makes sense. Yeah, they didn't pick uh, Washington. Didn't pick up his option. I don't believe. Yeah, um, yes. Yeah, here, so they went. Uh, so Joe Burrow went one, and then they took Chase Young. Uh, the Giants also took Andrew Thomas. So both teams that still need quarterbacks, <laughs> issuing Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, um, who both went off the board five and six. So there were mm-hmm. quarterbacks to be had. What you got to think Washington regrets that at this point in time, but. You know, I think you can make an argument that all four pass rushes in the NFC East are probably top 10 in the NFL. So mm-hmm. this is an extremely good group. Mm-hmm. I would have the Cowboys at number two. Micah Parsons is such a beast. Demarcus Lawrence has not played at the level that he has in the past, but he's still a very good pass rusher who I think gets overshadowed now by Micah Parsons. Yeah, Demarcus Lawrence uh, doesn't do very well against Lane Johnson, so we don't even get to see the dominance that <laughs> that he's supposed to have, especially in these division games. Um, but putting them at two, yeah, Michael Parsons is uh, is isn't a tier of his own. One of the best defensive players in the league, and Lawrence, when he's not playing against Lane Johnson, is a very good pass rusher in his own right. So I agree with Dallas being number two. All right, so at number three, you're basically pitting Chase Young and Montez Sweat against Leonard Williams and Kavon Thibodeau and yeah. Aziz Ojolari. I think it's a slight edge to the commanders here. Yeah, but, give me Washington here. Yeah, But the Giants still have a very good uh, pass rush that's loaded with a lot of young players. Kavon Thibodeau, second-year player. Aziz Ojolari will be a third-year player. So mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot there for the Giants. One of the, I've been doing on my other podcast, uh, we went through last week, and we're imagining a world where there's a hypothetical expansion team Mm-hmm. And so each team gets to protect four players on offense and defense. And so mm-hmm. we went through the NFC. We're going to go through the AFC next week. And then the third week, we're going to actually draft a team from the unprotected players. And one of the things that surprised me going through that exercise was how hard it was for the Giants. Like there were so many players I wanted to protect. Like, mm-hmm. they, they've, they've started to build the roster right. They've got a lot of young talent for sure. Yep, they're a quarterback. They're a quarterback away. Where did uh, Aziz's brother get drafted to again, BJ? Because we were talking about him all draft season, and we were like, if he's there for the Eagles, he might he might be an option. I forget where BJ ended up going to. He ended uh, up going to the uh, shoot. Who drafted him? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It was I remember where he was mocked to a million times. Oh, the Bengals. Oh, that's a nice fit. No, no, it, uh, nope. It was the Cardinals. No, that is not a nice fit. <laughs> He's in Arizona, eagerly awaiting who his head coach in 2024 yeah. will be after Jonathan Gannon goes one and 16. Jonathan Gannon won't make it to week 16, actually. So. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, you, let's – oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, did you see the little uh, Florio, Howie, Howie exchange? What do you what do you make of that, of the whole Jonathan Gannon? Did you see that exchange between the two? No, I don't guess I did. Oh man. Well, the, they like basically Florio was just like pushing and pushing and pushing to get an answer out of Howie Rosen. Like what went down with the whole Jonathan Gannon stuff and how he was just like on Gannon uh, was a, was a good contributor for us. And we just want to move forward. And Florio was like, why are you deflecting? Like, just tell me, <laughs> like, just tell me, tell me what it is. And Howie Rosen was like, you're literally a top five conspiracy theorist in the NFL. <laughs> like on, like on, on like the show that that's what he said. 
Oh, you got to go see that clip. I'm surprised you missed it. It went like viral and everything. It's crazy. Yeah, I'll have to go. I'll have to go check it out. My kid, this is my kid's first week out of school. So I've uh, okay. been online a lot less. And Sounds good to me. Fo- I'm missing football, but it's it's yeah, been good. Yeah, so you ain't we're getting much. into it's that just summer gossip. routine. It's just gossip. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, let's kick it over to the interior defensive line. So the Eagles have uh, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, Milton Williams uh, as sort of their interior grouping. The Cowboys have Osa Odigizua, who has the coolest name in the division. Who? who is Osa Odigizua. <laughs> I've never Try, heard of that. Guy. How do you think you spell that? O-C, uh, O-S-I. <laughs> O-S-A. O-S-A. Uh, what's his last name? What is Odigizua. It, it starts with O-D-I-G-I-Z-O-A. D-H-I-Z-U-W-A. Okay. Well, but yeah, it's a fun name to say, but. Yeah, they've got. How long Oso has he Odigizua. been on the team? How long has he been here? <laughs> I, I think he's been there a couple of years. Oh my um, god! They've got, uh, obviously they've got Mozzie Smith, the guy that they went out and drafted in the first sure round. Sure boy, sure boy, your boy yeah. Mozzie Smith. Oso Odigizu has been a he's been in the NFL two years, so he was a rookie in twenty twenty one. So Mozzie Smith, uh, Neville Gallimore, former Oklahoma Sooner. They got Jonathan Hankins. Uh, that's their interior grouping. The The Giants have Dexter Lawrence. Maybe you consider like Leonard Williams there. They play a 3-4. He's kind of the interior guy a little bit. Uh, since we put the Giants last on edge rusher, we're going to consider Leonard Williams an interior defensive lineman for this. So Dexter mm-hmm. Lawrence, Leonard Williams. Then the commanders have uh, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Fedarian Mathis, and John Ridgeway. So mm. again, the Eagles don't do it. Don't do it. The Eagles got to be number one, man. Jalen oh, Carter, Fletcher man. Cox, Jordan Davis, Milton Williams. Like, I don't think there's a group that challenges them out of here. Maybe Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, in terms of like your two starters. But when you look at the entire depth there, I think you can make an argument for the Giants, but I still think it's got to be the Eagles. I'm going to go against the green here. Okay. I'm going to say the commanders have the best interior duo in the division. Woo! I'm going to say it. I'm going to say Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, right? That's the other guy. Dude, they, yeah. they give us they give us hell kind of on a, uh, whenever we play them. I'm going to go out and say, like, I know the defensive line, you know, as, as a whole, you consider depth and the Eagles are far and away better. But you have Jordan Davis, who we hear is making strides in OTAs, but you still don't know what he's going to look like. He played in 26% of the snaps last season. You have Jalen Carter, who we hope can, you know, stay out of trouble and he'll, he'll be all right. And Fletcher Cox, who was at the back end of his career. And we lost to Ron Hargrave. I'm gonna say, and I'm not. I'm not as big of a of a Dexter Lawrence fan as you are. I'm actually surprised to hear that. Uh, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna say Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne are the best interior duo in the division. I'm gonna say. It. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold up to it. <laughs> All right, man. You're not. A, you're not a Dexter Lawrence fan. Uh, I mean. I mean. I'm I'm more of a fan of Deron Payne's 11 and a half sacks last year. <laughs> Dex, Dexter Lawrence had seven and a half sacks last year from the nose tackle position. Yeah, well, what is Deron Payne? Well, he's not a nose tackle. They he's not a nose way. tackle. He plays like three tech. Yeah, well, shit, man. Yeah, Dexter, yeah I guess he's all right. I just I think, know I, I see a lot of Deron Payne like tape when I'm like prepping for Eagle stuff. And I'm like, this guy's a pain in the ass. <laughs> like, I, I think I, I don't remember the exact stat last year, but I think it was. Something about Dexter Lawrence had uh, it was something like thirty pressures from the nose tackle position, Damn. and the next closest player had like five or something. Something. Like, oh no, here it is. Here it is. Uh, Dexter Lawrence generated twenty nine pressures aligned as a zero technique. Second Whoa. place had eight. Whoa, shit. Well, 
Like he is a monster on the yeah, interior. He sounds, the he sounds like line. you know who else is a monster? Jonathan Allen and his seven and a half sacks last year. Yo, that duo is dirty. I don't care what name was. Dexter yeah, Lawrence yeah. sounds like he's dirty too, though. But what? But is 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 Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and well, Leonard Williams is versatile because he's all over the place. But I get. I feel it, like I feel like Allen and Payne wreak more havoc as a duo. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, man, you're making me. Th- I'm I'm talking myself into putting the Giants number two here. Is that crazy? Oh yes, it is crazy. <laughs> over the over the oh over the Eagles. Well, you can't put them over the Eagles. Uh, I mean, you, you're you you're talking me out of it. You got Jordan Davis, who yeah, like we don't know about last year. Was yeah, like injured. You've got Fletcher Cox, who is uh, on the back end of his career. You've got Jalen Carter, who we're just like, hoping there's a lot okay. of potential. Milton Williams, who we, we it looks promising, but like we don't know, like we don't know, like they like if you you would, I would, and and the loss of Hargrave is big too. Like this is this yeah. is why I put the Commanders at at one. This is why I do it. I I could I could get behind moving the Eagles behind the Giants to be honest. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it. We're doing it. Don't drag us. They still have the best edge rushers, but I can get behind. There's a lot of uncertainty in old men. Is, is where I'm at. <laughs> a lot of it comes into how you want to classify Leonard Williams. Like the ESPN yeah. depth chart lists yeah. him as a right defensive end, but they run a three, four. And so he's really like, I would consider him an interior defensive lineman. Usually one of your DNs is more of an interior defensive guy in a three, four. So I think um, you're right. I think you're right. Leonard's not rushing. Cause otherwise, yeah. otherwise you're comparing like this Eagles quad quad quartet quad <laughs> you're quartet. comparing this it's not a quartet what do you call a group that's a music a group anyways of, whatever you're comparing these eagles four guys that play two spots to dexter lawrence who is the sole nose tackle that never comes off the field and it's not necessarily apples to apples like i said at the beginning here the defense the defensive fronts that gets a little tricky with different teams doing different things but uh yeah this is definitely the thing that people are going to dislike and uh, we'll find out who listened to the podcast and who just quote tweets the graphic when it goes out. So yeah, I'm 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 just like, like the more you think about, like when you think of the whole defensive line as a whole, I like, guess it's obviously the Eagles, but like just the interior, you're like, damn, if Fletcher Cox goes down and like you you lose Jordan Davis again for like to a high ankle sprain or something, or he's just not a good like you just can't play him every down, which I don't know what the Eagles' plan is with him with him next year. And Jalen Carter's like good, but like still raw, and you can't play him every down. Like it's looking a little. Uh, uh, I don't know. It can, it can get hairy. It can get hairy. <laughs> I think, you know, assuming he stays out of trouble, I think Jalen Carter is going to play the majority of the defense. Yeah, he'll play 90%, snaps. 90% of the snaps next year. <laughs> and I think that uh, you're going to have a lot of rotation between Jordan Davis on rundowns and Fletcher Cox on passing downs. Yeah, and as long as you keep Fletcher Cox in on like 40% of the snaps, he'll be all right. He he's he's a you know how he gets when he has to play fucking 80s every snap. He's gonna be oh man, I don't mean to curse on BJ and Milo. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll find out. Decide, we'll, I guess. we'll find out. <laughs> um yeah, you put you put Fletcher Cox out there on rundowns and he starts to lose the will to play football. Yeah, yep, that's exactly what it is. And he says it too, like, man, I'm just tired. Like, I don't know what y'all want from me. <laughs> that's where it goes. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to linebacker here, where, again, we're going to exclude guys that are primarily edge rushers like Hassan Reddick, like Aziz Ojolari here. We're looking at off-ball linebackers. So for the Eagles, uh, that is N'Kobe Dean, Nicholas Mm -hmm. Morrow, Christian Ellis, Sean Bradley. I'm going to stop reading now because I'm depressed. Uh, Let's go to the Cowboys, who have Leighton Vander Esch, Jabril Cox, uh, DeMarvian Overshone, not an inspiring group of linebackers anywhere here. The Mm-mm. Giants have Bobby Okereke, 
uh, Darian Beavers, guy that I loved uh, in a draft, but mm. you know, for what it's worth, Gerard Davis. Does anybody in this division have good linebackers? The I'm looking. I'm commanders looking. have David Mayo, Cody Barton, Jamin Davis. Yeah, I, if it was possible to just put everybody fourth, I think yeah, that like, would be a valid strategy here. Like nobody in this division has good linebackers. Period. Yeah, it gets it gets tricky because, like you mentioned, the edge rushes. Like who's really who's really a linebacker? And oh, I found out uh, it's Forsum. Forsum is a group of four. So there you go. <laughs> that, yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> but um um. Man, it's an uninspiring list. You probably say like Bobby O'Karaki is the best one, just because like he's 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 good. I mean, he's not like some like top of the tier linebacker, but he's he's good. You could put Bobby O'Karaki. Um, Nakobe. What's 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 Nakobe Dean gonna do in year two with more playing time? Man, Leighton Vanderesh, we know what he is, but he he's not like an impact player. This is tough. Uh, yeah, I'll put. I Giants think I would put one. I'll put the Giants. Yeah, one. I think I would go Giants one, Cowboys two. Yeah, just off the back of what Leighton Vander Esch has been at times. Yeah. Um, and then you get down to Commanders, Eagles. The Eagles have a pretty poor linebacker situation, but I think the Commanders probably have it worse. Jamin Davis kind of flopped as a first round pick, and they really. Here's all you need to know about the Commanders. You know who? You know who's on their linebacker depth chart? Mm. Nate Gary. Yeah, well, there you go. Practice squad, practice squad. Now, yeah, granted, Eagles... he is their third string middle linebacker, but if he's on your roster, you deserve to be fourth. You know, you know whose tape I do like though, Christian Ellis. I think he can show some. He showed a lot on special teams. He had a couple. He had a couple nice hits last year. From from what I remember, uh, I think I think the potential of Nicobe Dean and what he was able to do in Georgia and playing behind a couple guys that he played uh, in college, I think that gives them the edge over the Commanders. Not a good one. Not like a not a significant edge, but. Yeah, this is a in terms of linebackers. Yeah, I'll throw the Bobby O'Karaki led Giants up top, and the rest can fight about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's go to cornerback, where the Eagles have a trio of James Bradbury, yeah. Darius Slay, and Avante Maddox when healthy, which is like every third game. Uh, hey, you hey. can throw in Greedy Williams uh, as depth there. Zach McPherson, Keely Ringo. Uh, the Cowboys have Stephon Gilmore, Trevon Diggs. Uh, they do not list a Nickelback on their depth chart, but Jordan Lewis would be their Jordan Nickelback, Lewis, I believe. Yeah, yeah. That's strange that they don't have a Nickelback listed. Jordan Lewis is like safety slash nickel for them. Yeah, the Giants have... Actually, the Giants also do not have... Uh, this is a weird depth chart. But anyways, the Giants have Deontay Banks, a rookie that I really like, Adoria Jackson, uh, Darnay Holmes, Cordero Flott is sort of what they're looking at at cornerback. Mm. And then... The commanders have Kendall Fuller, Emmanuel Forbes, Danny Johnson, Benjamin St. Juiced. Mm. Uh, so I'm a big St. Juiced fan. I love St. Juiced yeah. as a player. After how you know this duo of Slay and Bradbury played last year, again, I think you got to have the Eagles number one here. Now, there's obviously uh, potential that <laughs> that's not going to go nearly as well this year, but uh, for now, they're my one. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. They're both proven. They're both top when when healthy, top ten cornerbacks. They both allowed very low passer ratings when targeted. Uh, the bringing back Bradbury, I would have been concerned if they brought back Bradbury and not and and Slay was about to walk because I was like, does can Bradbury be like a true like cornerback one in shadow? Even though the defense, I don't know how Desai is going to do it, but they don't like shadow guys. They kind of just play sides. Uh, but Slay, yeah, although he'll be what thirty two, 
or he just turned 32 rather, and you're banking on him playing a lot of snaps again. And you did see signs of decline. I know fans don't want to hear it, but he, he tailed off at the end of that year. I think so. Anyway, he didn't look particularly great at the end of the season. Bradbury had a strong year, so, so I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, and you and there's a ton. Now, I don't know if it's going to be good like <laughs> talent, but there's a ton of young talent back there. You got Greedy. Um, you have Ringo. You have Josh Job. You have Eli Ricks. You have some guys who, like, if you, if you give them a closer look, maybe they could turn into something. Um, but as far as the top of the depth chart, like strict, like your cornerback duos and factoring Avante Maddox in there, who is top five nickel when healthy, uh, you have to put the Eagles number one, I think. I'm I'm about to have an existential uh, crisis right here oh, on air because no, I just realized I spent the last year talking about how Darius Slay lost a step and he's younger than yeah. I am. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, we lost step. Our steps have been lost. <laughs> yeah, we lost steps years ago. <laughs> I never found my step. If yeah, I never honest, found but... the step to lose it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Darius Slay is uh, four months younger than I am. So yeah. you'll be you're yeah, you you just pour one out. You're thirty two. I'm thirty three. God, did not. Well, I okay, no, 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 that's not. I'll be thirty three in like a couple months. Dang, I, I did not know that. Dang. Yeah. Oh, you're aging well at least. Well, that's good. I'm the I'm the old. I, I guess I'm the. Am I the old guy on BGN now? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I'll be I'll be thirty in November, so I'm, I'm yeah. not young by any means. <laughs> I'm gonna have to survey the BGN podcasters and see how old everyone is. I right, y'all, kiss kiss is what pushing fifty. Yeah, he's a producer <laughs> now. He he got out yeah. from behind the mic. So that's right. That's right. We got ask the other guys. Jess, how old is Jess? We'll have to ask her. Well, maybe yeah, that's yeah. not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, at least not on air. You don't ask her on air. That's <laughs> I know that much. I'm wise. I'm old enough and wise enough to know that. Yeah, uh, maybe not. Sorry, Jess. All right, <laughs> Jess catching strays here on our podcast. Um, okay, uh, so back to cornerbacks before we get in any trouble here. Old cornerbacks. Old corner. Yeah, back to old cornerbacks. Dallas has it, an old one. Dallas has an old guy. <laughs> Dallas does have an old. I, I, let's get number four out of the way here. I think number four is easily the Commanders. Um, I have. You know, they needed a lot of help at cornerback. Kendall Fuller is fine. They went and got Emmanuel Forbes in the first round. They should have taken Christian Gonzalez. I've got mm -hmm. a lot of concerns about a 166-pound cornerback. Yep. Uh, and he could be good, but he's not proven. So I think the commanders are easily fourth. He weighs how much? Really, he weighs how much? pounds. A.J. Bound is going to throw him in, like, the fifth row of the bleachers. Like He's going to throw him, scream him, and toss him into the coolers. I did not know he was my weight, essentially. I could be in the NFL. Yeah. Well, I don't take this the wrong way, but I'm pretty sure he's faster than you are. So, what was his forty time? I've run a solid four, like seven. You're not, <laughs> you're not running in the fours. What? You don't think so, dude? No. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I need somebody to time me. I definitely run under five. That's for sure. Oh, oh wow. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm active. I run every day. <laughs> How? How many how many likes do we need on Twitter to get you to time a forty and do it live? I'll have somebody time of well I I don't even we'll get we'll get uh well hundred's not even a lot these days uh we'll figure it out we'll we'll figure it out but I definitely run under five Shane God don't disrespect me <laughs> all right all right we'll see but that's what we need to do is we need to do the combine events we should film the combine events combine. us doing them and my three cone my three cone. <laughs> I would have a better three cone than a forty time. That's for sure. Is your D is your three cone better than DK Mecca? His was not good. His was not good. <laughs> maybe, maybe. the The thing about running a forty time is then you would uh after you ran your forty, you'd be like, oh yeah, these offensive linemen that are slow, those guys could run me down. I can't believe hey, you think I can't run under a five. I'm upset about this. I'll be upset for a little bit. <laughs> 
I think this, there. This is I have never. I have never seen you run, but I think no. there is a very small chance you're getting out of the blocks under, or not out of the blocks. They don't even run out of blocks, but getting there in under five. What did Amanda Forbes run? What was his forty? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I'll look. I'll look it up here in just a second. Um, <laughs> well, actually, I'm just gonna look it up now. Emmanuel Forbes. Let's see. It's a four his four. Forty time was a four three five. Hey, all right. Well, got me there. You're definitely not running a four three five, Victor. All right. All right. You got me there. <laughs> He's six 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 and three six foot three quarters inch, hundred sixty six pound with a seventy nine inch wingspan. Yeah, his BMI percentage is nothing. I know he has no ounce of fat on his body. <laughs> yeah. So, what did what did Jason Kelsey run? Oh, uh, we're chasing all kind of rabbit trails here. Is it under? He five? ran a four eight nine. So you're telling me you're? I can beat Jason, Jason Kelsey, Kelsey in a race. Yes, I can beat Jason can Kelsey in a race. Jason Kelsey in a race. Yes, I can. I can. All right, somebody contact the New Heights podcast and set this up. <laughs> I'm uh, confident. I'm confident I can run faster than Jason Kelsey. And that was Victor. that was that was his con- that was his combine. You th- he runs a four eight nine now? I doubt it. <laughs> Even though he was outrunning Miles Sanders on a lot of those uh, plays. <laughs> yeah, Victor Victor Williams would like to put out a challenge, issue a challenge to the New Heights podcast, the Kelsey Brothers. Uh, we would like to get a Kelsey Brothers versus EPA podcast host. <laughs> no, nah, not Travis. I don't need to run against Travis. <laughs> Travis will leave me in the dust. I'll take Jason, though. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we put the commanders here at four. <laughs> Buckle up, folks. It's going to be a long offseason. We got all kinds of tangents. <laughs> yeah, this is just something. <laughs> uh, I can't run a five. My God. <laughs> <laughs> the Giants and the Cowboys is interesting. When you look at their cornerback groups, it's close to me. Stephon Gilmore, Trevon Diggs is a good duo. You have Washington uh, the, fourth, right? That's that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, they yeah, will be fourth. Oh, okay, I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> Giants have Adore Jackson and Deontay Banks as their duo. So you definitely like the youth on the Giants side. They're not having Stephon Gilmore in there, but I I think I would lean the Cowboys here just because I'm not relying on a rookie starter like you are with the Giants, but I do really like the Giants cornerback group. So I think I would have Dallas 2, New York 3. What do you think? Yeah, I think Dallas 2 uh, makes sense. They have Trayvon Diggs, who we can, you know, we all drag him to death, obviously, because it's fun. But, uh, you know, he he still had, uh, still creates turnovers. He did, he was better in coverage last season than the, you know, 1,100 yards he allowed in coverage the year, the year prior. So Trayvon Diggs is still good. I think he's a top 10, 12 cornerback, depending on on who you're asking. And uh, Stephon Gilmore, yeah, that's a that's a good get for them. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, obviously not in his prime, but he used to be defensive player of the year. And I, he's going to uh, have the same role as kind of Bradbury does with the Eagles, which is channeling some of these CB2s. And he can still – he made some plays uh, with the Colts he was with last year, I believe, right, Indianapolis. Uh, so I think I think that's a, that's a solid duo for them. And if they need Jordan Lewis to come in there, he has the experience. One cornerback that's not good on that roster is Anthony Brown because we watched A.J. Brown toss him all over the place in a couple games. So as long as they don't have to play Anthony Brown, I think the Cowboys will be all right uh, as far as cornerbacks are concerned. All right, let's go on to safety then. Uh, the Eagles oh, do we have to? Do we have Fertel to? Edmonds, <laughs> Sidney Brown, Reed Blankenship. Uh, the Cowboys have Jerron Curse, Donovan Wilson, uh, Malik Hooker. The Giants have Jason Pinnock, Xavier McKinney, uh, Dane Belton, Bobby McCain, and the Commanders have Cameron Curl, uh, Derek Forrest, Jatavis Martin, Jeremy Reeves. Um, not great safety rooms in the division. Yeah, the more when you read those names, that just shows me like, dang, really, like 
the league does not prioritize safeties anymore. Like they just as long as you got good corners and a good pass rush, you can throw me and you back there, and we'll and we'll, we'll be we'll be okay. So the, when you read those names, that made me think like, dang, how many teams in the NFL have like just subpar safeties and just are fine with it? Like this is where we're at in the NFL, huh? Yeah, which is which I guess makes sense as teams are moving to more too high shells you don't need that center field safety with all the range you just have to cover half the field and so i, I, mean, I know you're tired huh we're not getting you're going Byard, into, it yeah <laughs> and when you start to transition into quarters type stuff you're essentially manning up on a guy but you get 15 yards cushion at the snap so it's not like you have to worry about him running by you so i guess it makes sense to a degree i, I wish the eagles valued safety a little more but i guess as i look at this list i don't see any safety room i like so i'm going to start looking at individual names i like and yep i really like cameron curl from the commanders xavier Ooh. mckinney from the giants those are probably the two best safeties in the division so i'd probably have to put the giants and the commanders as the top two groups um which is really who, just based off of one player who are the dallas safeties again dallas safeties are uh jerron curse donovan oh. wilson and malik hooker uh they still hanging on to malik hooker wow um yeah put the, uh, the Giants lost Julian Love too, didn't they? So who's who's the guy next to McKinney? Jason Pinnock. Who the? Okay. Well, man, this is not this is not good. Man, you're talking against throwing the Eagles a little higher because at least they have names you know. Well, I, I guess that we know. If you ask yeah. the casual who'd read Blankenship is, they probably they probably don't know. Uh, He's the UDFA that intercepted Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, put some respect his, on his name. Got his first pick before Darius Lake, who's still upset about it. Um, I like Terrell Edmonds. I like Sidney Brown. I mean, again, rookie, again, another veteran that we have to see. I guess I guess put the Giants, because they have the best safety of the group, I guess. And that's by default. That's not even, like, feeling good about it. And then, and then you can give me Cameron Curl. Yeah. Second, Cam Curl guy. Eagles third, because that's, a, like, the trio, like, w- w- any combination of Reed, Terrell Edmonds, and Sidney Brown should be enough. I, I expect they'll use Sidney Brown in, like, a box-type role to start out anyway. Um, and then Dallas, just because they still have Malik Hooker for whatever reason, curse is okay. Never heard of the other guy, so I assume that he's nothing. So here we are. <laughs> so. All right, so that rounds out our defense. Uh, so just to recap here, the Eagles, uh, number one in edge and cornerback, number three in interior defensive line, surprisingly, uh, number three in linebacker and number three in safety. Uh, the Cowboys were second in edge linebacker and cornerback and fourth in interior defensive line and safety. The commanders were first in interior defensive line, second in safety, third in edge, and then fourth in linebacker and cornerback. And then the Giants were first in linebacker and safety, second interior defensive line, third in corner, and fourth in edge rusher. And so, uh, again, I'll, I'll scroll up so you can sort of see the whole chart here. We will tweet this out after the episode goes live for those of you listening on audio format only. I know it's a little hard to keep track of as we're talking about it. Uh, So you can check out our Twitter accounts for that. I'm at Shane Half NFL. He's at the Philly Pod. We'll get the BGN radio uh, account to tweet out the graphic as well. But uh, you guys can sound off in the comments of the podcast when it posts and let us know what you guys think. Let us know what we've missed. But Victor, before we get out of here, no tier ranking is complete if we don't rank the head coaches in this division. Wait, real so, quick, before, before we talk about the coaches, who has the best special teams unit? It has to be Dallas, right? Turpin and – well, their kicker is horrible. But whoever is kicking say, the ball. Did you watch the playoffs last <laughs> yeah. year for their kicking? Yeah, but I mean, the Eagles have no special teams. Well, well, now that we're fair catching kickoffs now, I guess special teams doesn't matter. But 
the Eagles, the Eagles have a good kicker. It's funny that like, if you ask me who the best kicker in the division is, I'd say Jake Elliott. And if you ask me who the worst special teams was, I would say the Eagles easily. Yeah. Cause we don't have a punter and we don't have any returners. So <laughs> I don't, yeah. I, Kevante Turpin is dirty though. I, he is, he is, he's a hell of a gem that the Cowboys found. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into it. Head coaches here. Uh, obviously, Nick Sirianni for the Eagles, Mike McCarthy for the Cowboys, Brian Dable for the Giants, and uh, Ron Rivera for Riverboat the Commanders. Ron, Riverboat so Ron. there's easy tiers in this one for me. You've got Sirianni and Dable are easily the top two guys. McCarthy and Riverboat Ron are easily the bottom two guys. But the order, the order I'm not so sure about. So, uh Sirianni versus Dable is really interesting. Um, nobody expected the Giants to do what they did with the roster they did. Nobody expected the Giants did not expect to pay Daniel Jones money or they would have picked up his fifth-year option. And so Brian Dable came in with no receivers, with no quarterback, and he got to the playoffs. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Brian Dable. But then again, nobody expected the Eagles to do what they did, taking the leap from a wild card, easy win for the Buccaneers to going to the Super Bowl. Uh, to be honest, I think you could argue either way in this one. Uh, Brian Dable has done less with more or done more with less. That's not necessarily the thing, though. It's who's the best coach. And so I'm going to default partially because it's an Eagles podcast and partially because they still had more success at the end of the day. It's close. So I'm going to give it to the guy that made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think we could easily see ourselves flipping that in a year or two though. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting conversation. Um, Cause you think like if Dayball had the Eagles roster, like would they lose a game? <laughs> like that's what you start to start, start to think about. And you also have to think about like Shane Steichen was responsible for a lot of the offensive success that occurred in Philadelphia. He was a surgical play caller. Like there's a lot of things that that uh brian johnson is going to have to try and replicate this season he obviously knows jalen hurts um but but there's going to be a, i think it's a big loss when you lose a guy like steichen who was responsible for a lot of that success um sirianni was hands off for the most part as far as play calling until he handed it over so i will i will put the eagles first because they co obviously coming off a of super bowl appearance and they are i saw this stat i think from jeff curry who said they're the first team to like improve their win total by five like <laughs> like two years in a row from four to nine to, to to or from four to nine to 14 i believe is what i saw what what year did they win four wins what was that that did was 2020 have, oh we only won four games that year what a yeah, that was the year that that Doug <laughs> got fired and wins went crazy. And yeah, four. I did not know we only won four games. Well, I mean, I probably knew, but that's that's how that feels like such a long time ago. They went from four wins to nine wins to fourteen wins under under Sirianni. I think that that is a that 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 is good to note as well. But Dayball, man, he's there were some questions like, well, he was with Josh Allen in Buffalo and all this, and what can he do? But he did a lot with Daniel Jones, and it's hard to do a lot with Daniel Jones. <laughs> So the day ball is very good in my eyes. And I think the, the disparity is a lot closer than some, I believe, but I'll give the edge to Sirianni because uh, this is the bleeding green uh, podcast. Man. Yeah. All right. So then you get Mike McCarthy versus Ron Rivera. It's not, it's not a, it's not a, as much of a question as you think it is. You know, who's last in that list, the guy who wasted Aaron Rodgers' prime and is doing the same with Dak Prescott. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, I think Mike McCarthy is kind of an oaf. I think Ron Rivera rode Cam Newton and, and then has not been good without oh. Cam Newton at all. Oh. Uh, I think Cam Newton 
kind of pulled Riverboat Ron a long ways, but I'll go with you on this. I'll put I'll put Rivera at number three, McCarthy at number four. But to be honest, I think both of those teams should have moved on from their coaches, uh, if not this off season, maybe even the off season before. What is Kellen Moore supposed to, or what is uh, McCarthy supposed to do without Kellen Moore? What is the what's the plan now? Who's run who's the down? ball? Run the ball with Tony Pollard as the lead back. Okay, well we'll see how far that gets. You. <laughs> oh my god. Kellen yeah, Moore I, did a lot for that offense, man. He did a lot. He did. It's. I think that. I think the Cowboys could be in for a rough year without Kellen Moore. I think that he did a lot uh, to keep that offense going, and I'm not sure that Mike McCarthy has that in him. But we'll see. We'll see. We're sure he doesn't. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's gonna about wrap this one up, Victor. Any surprises for you as we went through this exercise? Um, uh, anything I, I'm catch so- you off guard. Well, not not necessarily off guard. I'm surprised I talked to myself out of the Eagles being third in uh, <laughs> as far as defensive line rankings, and um, the running backs. Like when you break it down, have position and realize that the Eagles, like as they have talent, I think DeAndre Swift went healthy and went focused because he does like kind of miss holes. Like he has some of that Miles Sanders syndrome, but I think he's one of the most talented backs. Like in pure talent, strictly like talent as a running back, DeAndre Swift is top five. If he just has to kind of tie it all together. And stay on the field, but yeah, I think I think Jerron Payne and uh, Jonathan Allen are the best interior duo in the in the division, and I'll and I'll and I'll stand by that. But uh, the Eagles led a lot of these groups. We we knew that. Um, wasn't aware that all the safeties were terrible, and was not aware that all the linebackers were terrible. So that's interesting to see. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the thing I'm walking away most surprised about is that I let you talk me into putting the Eagles not even second, but third uh, as into in the interior defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I didn't realize that linebacker was so bad all around the division either. You were so fine was... until I said something about Fletcher Cox being 80, and you were like, well. <laughs> and Jordan <laughs> Davis played a quarter of the snaps last year. We're supposed to expect these two to 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 hunker down and man the charge now that Javon Hargrave is gone. But we'll see if Jalen Carter can kind of, you know, keep his head on straight and we'll figure it out. All right. Well, that is going to about wrap it up. Uh, Victor? Any any final thoughts? Anything you need to get out there for the people before we <laughs> get here? out there? No, I think I think we told them enough this episode. Appreciate you guys for listening to this edition. Probably saw more of our personalities in this one than, than past iterations, but that's what you're going to get in the offseason. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at the Philly Pod. Uh, I just recorded a uh, uh, an episode of my podcast, the Philly Pod, right before this. So the old voice box is getting a workout uh, today, but you can find the Philly pod. Also just search that on pod platforms and you can subscribe to that. We'll have a new episode talking about decide. Uh, we talked about the 2023 schedule and we talked about a couple of wide receiver rumors um, that are out there as well. So if you're interested in any of that, be sure to go ahead and subscribe and visit the Liberty around the clock coverage of all five major Philadelphia sports. All right. That's it for my soapbox. Shango. <laughs> All right. Well, if anybody out there has an in with uh, Jason Kelsey, you guys reach out to Jason yeah, Kelsey on tell Twitter. Tell him I'll beat him grab, in a race. I'll beat grab him. the clip of Victor saying he could beat him in a race. And Let's make this Shane happen here. For saying I can't run under a 4.99 in a freaking 40-yard dash. I'm 30, but I'm not dead yet. It's not over. I'll, be- I'll believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. Oh, so you're you guys see pressure- it. I'm going to record it outside, and I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> you guys peer pressure, Victor, and I want I want to see the course marked off. None of this 35 yard Penn State track thing for the 40 yard dash at the combines. None of that. I want to see a legit sub 540 from Victor, at preferably with Jason Kelsey running against him. So let's oh, make I'll that happen. I PG and people. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of the EPA podcast. We will be back. Uh, 
I don't know if it'll be next week, but we'll be back throughout the off season periodically to give you guys some different shows. If you have something, a topic you want to hear us talk about, uh, we'll probably do some mailbags along the way as well. So if you got questions for a mailbag, if you have a topic idea, something you want to hear us talk about in the off season, be sure and reach out to us. We're always looking for ideas uh, when we're not in that game to game, week to week grind in the regular season. So you can reach out to me on Twitter at Shane half NFL. You can reach out to Victor at the Philly pod. Uh, so for me and Victor, from the BGN crew. We will see you guys uh, next time on the EPA podcast. Go birds. I could run a 540. More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.